to say hello to all those that are joining us online. There's, uh, so we have literally two campuses going on simultaneously. Right now, uh, we are streaming live. So this is one of those. Did, is it just not really awesome to be here and be with the worship team? Powerful, powerful. And it's really cool because not only are we, uh, so it, there's a lot of effort that makes that worship sound so amazing as it did online just now. So uh, those guys got to enjoy it as well. So, okay, I'm going to jump in. We're doing a new series, and I am going to have a lot of fun with it. We're calling this series Essentialism, um, and uh, this is going, of course, uh, you know me. If it's something that's going to step on some people's toes, let's do it, right? Let's, let's do it. Uh, so we, we're going to talk about this subject of what it means to be essential, and define essential. Am I essential? Do I need to be, what, what, what all is essential in my life? What do I need in my life that should be essential? And so we're going to jump into this. A couple quick things so that, because we, we, we don't have kids uh, ministry going on right now. So we, we, uh, we have packets for all the kids. Uh, there's, they can take notes. They can color. They can uh, eat on some uh, goldfish. Uh, and if you get crumbles on the ground, that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll come around, if, we'll vacuum afterwards. Uh, and, uh, but if you do have, at any point, if you feel like, hey, I, I want to like, enjoy this, but my kid is not letting me enjoy this, and you need to take them out, we have an overflow room that is not being used right now. So you can go over to the overflow room uh, with your kid. You can hear the message. It's streaming over there, and, uh, and they can, we'll turn it up so that over tops your, your kid, right? Win-win. <laughs> So, uh, no, we do have that available. We also have the mother's room is available if you need to use that as well. So, so glad you're here. This is, we're just getting through all this, and God is doing some really awesome, awesome things. So, uh, let's jump in. You don't have any message notes, but if you have the church app, if uh, church center app, you can go to the church center app, you can go to the message notes are there. You can click on them, and you can fill in your notes and all that there, right there if you'd like. So, uh, in there is, uh, is that, but I also have the, the scriptures right up here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is our theme verse for the series. So here we go. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, well, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, well, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are the ones we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the other more honorable parts do not require this special care. And all the middle school boys go, <laughs> All right, we'll keep going. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes, catch this, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Now, I want you to catch this next part, this and the next, next piece. I want you to, to hear this very carefully. I, this message uh, series was selected before this past week's events, but I want, I want to address something up front and right away. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. This past week, we've seen, you know, coming out of the coronavirus and the 12 weeks of the chaos that we've gone through with that and 
we're beginning to transition out of that and immediately we're hit with this event that took place this past week and anybody that's seen the video of uh, Mr. Floyd and the situation that took place, I've, I've talked to numerous uh, police officers and every single one of them immediately says it was wrong, it should have never happened, and there needs to be consequences to the person who did it, immediately. There's no question that. It was wrong. The re response has been now, we have seen a response begin to take place and growing, and it's now maybe even coming to our own community, uh, is also, in, at certain areas, by certain people, wrong. Now, so, let me step back and address this as a pastor and as a church. As a pastor uh, and, and as a church, there are elements of this that we do not understand. As a pastor, I do not understand the situation, uh, uh, the situation I've grown up when does not allow me to understand it. And before you ever try to persuade somebody to your side, you first must understand their side. So that, that goes in marriage, in relationships, at the workplace. Before you try to persuade someone to your understanding, first understand their side. And since it's not possible for me to understand, I am not going to make any type of response or reaction in this moment of what took place or the reactions that are happening. I do understand one thing. Jesus Christ called us to be the body of Christ and to love those that hate us. That's what he called us to do. It is our responsibility. I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't say it would be fun. It is our responsibility and our God-given supernatural ability through his spirit, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, to love those that hate us and serve those that want to hurt us. Amen? The only thing I do, I, the, uh, so our, our response now is I don't have a solution. I think it's foolish of us to put forth a solution when we're not in the midst of the situation. So for us, we need to, the one thing I do know is I have, I know the solution. And he says, whatever needs you have, bring it to him in prayer. And so the thing that we can do as a church, the thing that we can do as a body of Christ is bring it to God in prayer and ask him for one that he would heal the situation and to give us wisdom to know how to handle the situation should we ever be put in it. So let's do that now. Lord Jesus, my heart breaks for what has taken place. My heart hurts for those that have been hurt. Lord, your word says that I'm to bring these things to you in prayer, so that's what I'm doing. I'm bringing them to you in prayer. And God, I'm asking for healing to take place. Lord, I don't have the solution. I don't know the solution. But Lord, I pray that you would heal those that have been hurt, those that have been broken, those, those communities that have been torn apart. Lord, bring your love and your peace into that place. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we have wisdom. Lord, as we have these situations come into our lives, that we're able to address them full of your love and full of your spirit. And I pray this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here, here's where, we're, let, me, let me help us move uh, into a place where we're positioned to understand what this scripture means uh, when we say, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. So here's essential number one. You are essential to the body of Christ. 
You, say, say me, I am essential to the body of Christ. I would have you touch your neighbor, but you might not be allowed to touch your neighbor. So, we, and tell them, I am the body of Christ. So we are the body of Christ, and we need to understand something about being the body of Christ. So, so what does this word Christ mean? It's one of those words that like, we use a lot in Christianity. We use it at, in, in the church, and or, or we talk about Jesus Christ, and we talk about all those things. We, Christ, we use that a lot term, but, but what does it mean, Jesus Christ, that we are the body of Christ? So we have to understand in in, the, in Greek, the word is Christos. So Christos means anointed. That's what the word means. So Christ means anointed. Okay, what does it mean to be anointed? So let's go. Guess what? We're talking Bible. This is a, this is a church that loves what? Context. So if we're getting into the Bible, we want to know what Christos means. We're going to go to the context. It means anointed. Now let's go to the context and figure out what anointed means. It actually it's, begins before the Bible, and in the Egyptian times, when a pharaoh would be put into position, they would anoint a pharaoh, and they would take a sacred oil, and they would pour it over the person who was becoming the, the, uh, the new pharaoh. Now, this came into place into the, uh, into the Bible, and as God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he took what they understood, what they had seen, what they, the language that they had understood and seen. And he says, now, what you understood then, I'm bringing him to, to now. And then he had the priests were to be anointed. And then when the kings were to be put into place, when King David, King, uh, King, uh, Saul, King Saul, King David, King Solomon, as they were put into position, they were sent by a prophet or by a priest who would then go to them and he would anoint them. Now, so uh, um, this is a sacred oil that would be poured over them. And so I want you to get the right picture of what an anointing is. And it, 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 so when they put, put them in, the, the king would be brought in, or the position, the person who's about to be a king, would be brought in and presented to the one who is doing the pouring of the sacred oil. And it wasn't just a little dab. We're talking an entire pouring as that would, it, it, a, the description would be that it was from head to toe, would be saturated with this sacred oil and would be dripping off the hem of his robe because he had been anointed. Now, so when you understand this and then you start to read scripture, 1 Samuel 24, we have two kings. Well, one, the one's the present king at this time is being uh, chasing after the soon-to-be king who's already been anointed as king but has not yet been positioned as the king. So we have Saul who has been anointed as king chasing David. David has an opportunity to kill Saul. His men around him go, kill him. Get rid of him. This is your opportunity. You can raise up. And this, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 6, is what, how David responds. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. He says, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. The reason David wouldn't lay his hand on Saul was because the act of anointing with sacred oil emphasized that God himself, who had, or, had ordained that person and given authority to that person to lead the people and to act as a representative, no human being was worthy to unseat someone 
who had been anointed by the Lord. So, so here we have this understanding that anointing comes to uh, David, or to, to the king. And so anointing really would be equal to saying position of king. So Christ means he is anointed by God as king. Let's jump to the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. It says that, but you are an anointing. You, but you, I'm sorry, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the, that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as, just as it has taught you, remain in him. See, we're, we are called to be anointed in how we live our lives. So, so we have to have the presence of God poured upon our lives. Today is Pentecost Sunday, so we have a celebration of uh, the, the day that the, Pente- uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out for all men. And we as a church are called to be anointed to do God's work, to step forward and to know who we are in him. And, and, and this is what we've been called to do, but here's the thing. You guys might get sick of me saying stuff like this, like, this church is amazing. And I cannot tell you how proud I am to be the pastor of Authentic Church going through the past 12 weeks. I can't, I, th- th- this production team has worked overtime and gone overboard. Some of them feel like they are still overboard. They're like still trying to, they're like we're still swimming into this. Like it, you, you, I wish you guys could see like behind the scenes how this is all working and the running back and forth. Like it's still going on this morning. The, 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 it's amazing what they do. But what, what I've under, like, grasped is that we are a church full of GSDers. You know what a GSDer is? Nobody? That's what time, good. You didn't like yell that out at this moment. It's get stuff done. All you dirty minded people that put another word for that S, shame on you. You get, (laughs) some of you just like, oh, that's what the word. You get stuff done. Like this is like, you you go after it. You figure out what is needed to be done and then you go after it with everything you got and you go get it done. And that's what's happened over the last 12 weeks. We've gotten it done. It's, we, we did uh, an Enneagram for our church uh, core team. So the Enneagram is kind of like, it's actually an old thing that's become a new, like a new fad. And everybody knows, what, what type are you? What number are you? Well, I'm a three. A threes are known for getting stuff done. They, they're GCDers. They, they make things work. They, they just get it done. And, and so what can happen is that that's a really good thing because... Over the last 12 weeks, we've seen the value of GSDers. But at the same time, when you're a GSDer and you're getting stuff done, you can start to depend on yourself getting things done. There's actually a story in, in Ezekiel. I wish I had more time to get into the context of it, but the, he, he, the backstory story is the children of Israel had gotten off track and even the Levites the priest of that time had had gotten off track and this is God coming to them and saying hey we've got some we need to deal with this and he says in uh, Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 10 he says but the Levites who went far from me 
going astray from me after their idols, when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. They shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple and ministering in the temple. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and sacrifice for the people. They shall stand before the people to minister to them. In other words, they messed up. They've gotten disconnected from God, but I'm going to still let them do the work of the ministry. They're still going to be on the platform. They're still going to be able to preach. They're still going to be able to do the work. They're going to be able to do the sacrifices. They're going to be able to collect the offering. They're going to be able to be at the front door. They might have to wear a face mask. They'll be in the parking lot. They'll be able to do the ministry. They'll get it done. But because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block to the, of iniquity of the, of, to the house of Israel, therefore I have sworn concerning them, declares the Lord God, they, they shall bear their punishment. They shall never come near to me. To serve me as a priest, nor come near any of my holy things and the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and the abominations that they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the temple, to do all its service and all that is done in it. See, they had gotten to a position, but they didn't have the presence. They were in the position of ministry, but didn't have the presence of God in their ministry. They had... It, I wrote it down this way. They were operating without an anointing. They were operating without an anointing. And this is where we have to step back and go, we cannot be putting ourselves in a position where we're just getting stuff done, but missing the presence of God. Operating without the anointing. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set us his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was poured out, this is what he said. He says, what you see, what the Peter is, say, is talking to the crowd here. He says, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. What? I will anoint them. I will pour out my spirit on them. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And later on in verse 33, he says this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. Speaking of Jesus, at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave his Holy Spirit, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. The anointing is essential. So the first essentiality that you need to understand is that you are essential to the body of Christ. The second part of this is that you are, it is essential that you are anointed by the Holy Spirit. That his presence flows from head to toe over you. That you have been anointed by him. So why is it essential? If you are, it's essential that you are in, in, in his presence. The second thing is that it, it is, why is the Holy Spirit essential? It's essential because it, to live righteously. 
See, here's what's the problem with, with us, the way we try to do our walk with God, is we try to get it done. If I'm just good enough, if I go to church enough, if I give enough in, in the offering, if, if, I, if I go join the right connect group, and if I serve on the team, if I, if I just do, 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 then you're like, I'll get it done. But then you get to a point where the getting it done really stinks. It's really hard. It's a weight. But when his seal is on you and his saying it's your ownership, it's no longer you getting it done. It is who you are. So doing it flows through you. Doing the ministry is not a, a, a wait. It is a can't wait to do it. It is, I, I can't tell, I'm, I, I can't, I'm, I'm bragging again and I don't care because it's been 12 weeks. Those guys back there showed up every Saturday and worked for hours every Saturday, not counting all the hours ahead of time to get the production ready. And not once did they come, stupid people want to watch us on Facebook Live. Not once did I hear it. It was a, it was a, a flowing, they were anointed, be able to live out the righteousness that we're calling us, calling us to do. It is who we are. It's Romans 8, 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If, if the Spirit of God lives in you. It lives in you. I, I, okay, preaching here this morning. Number two. So, you, you, why do we need to be anointed? The secondly reason we need to be anointed is so that because it is essential to live supernaturally. Here's the thing. You are not designed to live solely in the natural. You, you weren't meant to live getting it done. You were meant to be living in the supernatural. Uh, Acts 10, 38. And you know, this is uh, saying, talking to the, the group, and he says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, then Jesus went around doing good, good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He was anointed, why? To do the supernatural. You are anointed in the same fashion, to do the supernatural. Supernaturally loving others. Supernaturally serving others. This is, when in John 14, Jesus says, you will have the ability to do even greater than what I've done. Read it in context. See what he's talking about. Because he's talking about being a follower of Jesus. He's not solely talking about the, the miracles. Miracles are part of it. The supernatural in the, in the physical is one part. But he's talking about the, the supernatural and the spiritual. God's called us to love our enemies that doesn't happen in the natural. If you want to see healing in our community, if you want to see healing in our world, we must be anointed by the Holy Spirit to be able to love supernaturally, to serve, serve supernaturally, and to live supernaturally. And then the, the third thing about living the essential of the, the being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being anointed by the Holy Spirit, is that it is essential to live on mission. If, I love this church, and, and I'll be honest with you. If you're a guest with us, and you, I'm so glad you're here, but I, I want to just to throw out a warning. And every time I do this, people are like, "You really shouldn't say that." But I, I just this is just honest and transparent and authentic. Okay, you guys ready? 
we say our name is authentic. Let's just do that. Um, we, we, if you are here and you're looking for a, a feel-good church, you found it. It feels really good. But eventually, it's not going to feel so good because God's going to be prompting you to fulfill your mission. Because we have three things that we do here. We follow Jesus Christ, we find freedom, and then we fulfill our purpose. That's the mission. You are called on a mission. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So, so the most prominent idea of Christ is that he is anointed as a king. We want to be anointed by him. The only way to be anointed by a king is that he's your king. That he's your king. This means we have to put ourselves in a position of bowing before a king and allowing him to anoint us, to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. If we're going to be in that position, we have to say he is our king. Ephesians 5, Peter, Paul says this to the church. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, have it poured out on you. How does that happen? You make him your king by removing all barriers. Removing all barriers. Acts 2.38, on the day of Pentecost, uh, Peter is speaking to them and they're saying, hey, well, how does this Holy Spirit thing happen? We want it. How does it work? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. That new song, Blessings, have you heard it? That, that blessings and, to your children and blessings to their children and blessings to their children and their children and their children. That song that doesn't stop blessing because it's all about blessing. Here it is. The Holy Spirit is to be poured out on them, their children, and all that are called off to their generation and their generation, your children and their children. You have to repent. Repent simply means, God, I'm removing all the things that I've tried to be dependent upon, and I'm dependent solely on you. The second thing, if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is that we have to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you want the, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be poured on you, you have to ask him to pour it on you. In Luke 11, 13, Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, you guys that are, are dads in the, in, the, in the physical know how, that, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more do you think that the, your father in heaven would give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? If you ask him. So we, we, we need to we, we remove all the barriers, request the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then we receive it by faith. Here's the hard part. Because as, as he pours out on his spirit, he's giving you not just good feelings. That's not what the Holy Spirit's about. It's not about goosebumps on your neck. It feels good. It's amazing to feel the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But then he says, okay, now that you're empowered, go. Operate as a person who makes a difference in your circle of influence. Go. I'm sending you on a mission. You're equipped. You're empowered. Now, go. And for each one of us, it's going to be different. But so many times we go, I will do it, God, if, if it fits within this box. 
I'll go, God, as long as it's down that road. But if you ask me to go down that road, I can't. I, I know you're my king. <laughs> See, we, we, faith means we follow him down the road he calls us down. We don't drag him down a road. If we're dragging God with us on our journey, he's not our king. We remove the barriers, request the Holy Spirit, and then we re, uh, receive it by faith, and then we relate to him daily. I, this is one of the best things that's happened because of the coronavirus. Because of the coronavirus, we have discovered that you guys are willing to engage online. You'll, you're, you're giving online, you'll serve online, you'll, do, you'll, you'll jump on board online. All this is, so you know what this does? This equips us to take Sunday into Monday. Take Sunday into Tuesday, Wednesday. It's no longer about a day. It's about daily. Daily following him. So if it's daily, let's begin today. Let's begin today. So if we're going to say, God, I'm, I'm removing all the barriers, I'm repenting, I want to pray this prayer with you right now. If you're saying, God, I want to, I'm, I'm getting rid of all that stuff, I'm removing everything, and I'm going to follow you, it's, a prayer, it's a, the first prayer you'll pray. You'll pray a prayer of commitment. You'll say, God, I'm going to follow you on this journey. And there's going to be more prayers to pray, and I'm going to show you those right after we pray this one. But if you're ready to join me in this and saying, God, I'm, I'm turning to you because of the death, burial, and resurrection that you would have given to me to remove all my sins, I'm going to follow after you. We do this now, Lord Jesus. I'm going to follow after you. I'm removing all the distractions, all the things that have kept me and, and distracted me. Lord, I, I'm, I'm turning to you and to you alone. Because you are God, you are my king, you are my Lord. I'm going to follow after you, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we pray this, that you will pour out your spirit on us. We request that you just pour out your presence in our lives, that we don't get distracted, that we, we, don't, we don't just, just want a ticket into heaven, Lord, but no, we want to be empowered by you and we're going to follow you in our next step. Lord, wherever you call us, we're going to go. We're going to say yes to that next step. We're going to follow you in faith. And Lord, we're going to do this today. We're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to do this next week. Lord, we're going to continue to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen.